From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 160. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, FreshBooks, and Bombfell. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And the man of the hour, Mr. Federico Vichichi. Ciao, Federico. Hello, Michael Hurley. How are you? Good, good. I wondered if you two were going to bring that up again. Turns out, yes. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, you, you have a bunch of other names that I don't remember. David, James. No, you remember them perfectly. Good work. Right. Oh, yeah? Michael, David, James. <laughs> okay. Proud of you. Very yeah. proud of you. Uh, Mikey DJ Hurley is how I remember it. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's me. DJ. That's me, kids. Mikey... Mikey DJ. So we have an action-packed show today. We have two whole product categories that we didn't get any time to discuss last week. <laughs> and iOS 11. So yeah. buckle up, everybody. Yeah, who cares about that? Should we talk about <laughs> iOS 11? <laughs> Are you not, how have you not... How have you not, like filled up everything that you have to say on this so far like exactly i, I don't, don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> yeah i can't believe that you would rush to talk about ios 11 surely i mean well i guess of all of us um i am the one who has spoken about ios 11 the most uh but we mm-hmm. can get onto that a little bit later because for the past two weeks in our document steven has had a little note which just says follow up update on steven's move to spotify now before before I let you tell whatever it, the story is, Stephen, about whatever you've done, I would like to yeah. to make a guess um, okay, over okay. what I think that you've done. So the the first link in the show notes today will be uh, what I think Stephen may potentially be up to. <laughs> um, so you guys can click that if you want. I'm going to open this link. <laughs> Did you buy an MP3 player... <laughs> Purely dedicated no. to your uh, spot playing Spotify music. There's an MP3 player called the Mighty, no. I believe, that can can integrate with Spotify to do this. What? <laughs> I had no idea such a thing existed. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. So orange. I, I like orange. Um. Hmm. So is Mike correct, or should Mike, I guess first? Hashtag Mike is not right. Mm. Ah. Okay. So I'm gonna say. So you've been teasing a major piece of follow-up about Spotify. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that you are trying Google Play Music now. Uh, no, I'm okay. not. Y'all are over two. Mm. Okay. All right. So, so I have been trying Spotify. I talked about how I was discovering all the good things about it, like everyone else did in 2009. You can play on your phone and then your computer knows where you were and you can use your phone as a remote for your other devices. It's all very clever. I went through and and added all my music to Spotify. I downloaded all my music on my phone. So for offline playback, because even though I have a bunch of data on AT&T, I don't want to stream if I don't have to, right? And so have it all locally. And, and then I ran into the problem. And it is a problem before I can hear you writing your emails to me right now. It may be just me. It, this could just be a problem that I have with my particular setup. But my so my car stereo has Bluetooth and it works pretty well actually. Uh, the you know it puts the artist and album stuff up on the screen. I can use voice control uh, to call people on the phone. It's not Siri hands free. It's like the basic Toyota one, but it integrates with the iPhone. It's a pretty decent system for you know a car that's now three years old. But the problem I have with this stereo is that it's not particularly loud. And I'm not talking about 
you know, blowing my eardrums out, right? Like I'm not that guy at the stoplight. Uh, but Spotify seems to, for whatever reason, have a lower volume over Bluetooth than anything else. So if I would, I'd be playing music in Spotify and have to turn it up a little bit and then I go to Overcast or go to the radio and those would be way louder. And it's a small thing, but something that really rubbed me the wrong way. So I was thinking about this, thinking about what to do. And I came to a conclusion that even surprised me. And I went to my Mac and I option clicked on iTunes and I started a new iTunes library and I (laughs) signed up for Apple Music and enabled iTunes Match. What? (laughs) That was... Wait. (laughs) You you of all people? Apple Music? I'm confused. Wait. You started a new iTunes library. So... So I I have I tried Apple Music when it first came out. I used to use iTunes Match, and I had a lot of problems in the past with iTunes Match, basically like destroying my library. Uh-huh. And so I started like with a clean library, like no music, imported the stuff that I wanted, and then matched the rest of it. And that was a process of a couple of days, just kind of doing it in the background, but it totally worked. I have all my music now; it's all matched. I've got Apple Music on my phone. I even did the trick of creating a playlist that everything I wanted locally and downloaded that playlist, which is a great shortcut. So you don't have to like tap through a thousand albums and download them individually. And I've got to say a couple weeks into it, I'm really happy with it. Who knew? All right. Let me just check who, something real quick. Who knew? I mm-hmm. said two weeks, didn't I? Like naught to two weeks before you, I don't know. We'd have to, we'd have to go to the tape, but I think like the wording may be a bit sketchy, right? As to whether it was like leaving Spotify or going or back, I probably music. said going, yeah. but I think the argument was whether you would go back or not. Um, right, still, which I though, haven't. Two weeks. But it is a change. So, I mean, I give it another two weeks until you leave Apple Music for something else. <laughs> so, so this is my phase two of this, and this is where I need your help and the help of the listeners. My wife and I share an Apple ID for purchasing. We have for 15 years. So anytime I buy an album or anytime she buys an album or an app or whatever, we use the same Apple ID. And yes, that may be stealing or whatever, but Apple lets you do it. That's how we do it. We have separate iCloud accounts for all of our other stuff. I did this with our shared Apple ID because that's where all of our purchased music is. And a lot of stuff in my iTunes over the years has been purchased and I wanted access to it all. But now I'm kind of thinking that my wife may enjoy Apple Music as well because she always has the problem that she the kids want to listen to something and she bought it, but she didn't sync it to her phone, and then she has trouble downloading it again. I thought this may just be easier. But I don't know how to go about this because we share an ID for purchasing, and I don't want to share necessarily share an Apple Music library with her. I don't think she, more importantly, I don't think she wants to share one with me. And so I'm I'm curious as to what I do there. Do I just set a new one up for her and just add stuff? What about don't the worry Apple about the Music family thing? That's the most confusing web page I've ever read. Okay. And I have read every single page in the K base. <laughs> I, I really I need to sit down and 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 look through it, because um, the the family stuff and I, I'm not sure I want to do that with the, with everything else. Like it may just I may just end up setting an Apple Music library up under her iCloud account and anything purchased she could just have access to via Apple Music, I guess. So it may not be that big of a deal, but um, I think that it could, it could be. I think she may enjoy having access to everything in iTunes all the time. Um, so yeah, it's actually like it's been. It's been great. It was super smooth to match everything. You know, I left my phone plugged in and 
and everything downloaded overnight and it's been really solid. Like it's the UI is not ideal. I kind of like Spotify's UI better, but I can talk to Siri and it control the music, which isn't was something I, I gave up going to Spotify, uh, which is nice, especially mm. in the car. So, mm. so far I'm pretty happy with it. Turns out that family plans require family sharing, which might not be something you want to right. do. That That's a whole like can of worms. I'm not sure I want to do. So I may yeah. just sign her up for her own plan and just match everything. So, so yeah, that's uh, that. There's that. So well, welcome the to September 2015. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think it was actually yeah. June 2015, like June 30. So oh yeah, it even early, even didn't before. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize they kept this the bubbles in her face. So like tap the albums you like. Yeah, tap the artists you like from beats from beats music. I'd forgotten all about that. That was a nice onboarding experience. Also, it's a super fun UI because you can, like flick them around. It's mm-hmm. that's fun. Um, so I did the same thing on my iPad. I signed in. I have just a, a, a playlist I called like for local and just music that I know I want downloaded and just download that playlist on my iPad as well. And it's um, it's been really solid. Even in the beta, like I haven't had any any real issues with it. So so there you go. Apple Music. Who knew? Wow. Should we move on? Yeah, I wasn't expecting to talk about Apple Music today. I know. That's why uh, the, the, the sub point, which you did not read on the air, in all capital letters, I wrote, things have taken a turn over here, guys. And uh, quiet turn they have. So anyways, last week we spoke about the Apple event. We're going to wrap that up today. But we had asked uh, listeners for the the source of the Steve Jobs quote. And we didn't hear anything, like no emails, no tweets, nope. because turns out uh, Gruber has a story. It was a internal like Apple meeting or hands-on of some type that that audio was recorded from. And uh, so, yeah, so it wasn't public. That's why we didn't recognize it. But um, I think it's pretty cool. I I have rewatched the keynote since last recording. And this section of the keynote still like totally stands up. Like I'm I'm still, I feel as good and warm and fuzzy about it as I did uh, the day after. I don't watch, I don't rewatch keynotes anymore. I stopped doing that a few years ago, I think. Any particular, just time, like time-wise or... Well, I figured after like a week, I have absorbed yeah. all of the information. Like I have nothing more to get out of it. Like either through talking to people on podcasts that I create or listening to other podcasts where people talk about all this stuff. There is already more information outside of the keynote than there is in the keynote. So like I don't mm. really have a utility reason to watch it anymore. And but like I might watch like I don't know because I have already watched rewatched the um, Johnny Ive video because they're like I think they they're better for rewatching because they're a couple of minutes each or whatever or I might sure. watch like I look through the product pages and stuff like that because there's little tidbits but going back to rewatch the events isn't something that I just have much of a desire to do anymore I used to I used to watch them like two or three times in total yeah but I, I don't do it anymore I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I used to try to watch it the, that same night because when you're when it's live, and if you're like us, you're working, right? Like you're taking notes for shows, or you're tweeting hilarious things on Twitter, or if you're Federico and have a real thing to do, you're assigning stories. But it's easy to miss stuff, and so I usually try to watch it. Hey, taking notes is a real thing to do. <laughs> uh, I try to watch it that night, but uh, it didn't pan out this time. Uh, but I watched it. Um, I watched it like maybe three or four nights ago, and um, there's always stuff you miss, and um. 
but yeah, that 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 first section still feels really nice. I think that's going to hold up really well. Do you rewatch them, Federico? I used to. I I don't do that anymore. Uh, I used to do more of that, especially when I was not working on iOS reviews. So mm-hmm. basically, because Apple does two events a year now, the WWDC one, um, I get, I'm busy because I'm uh, I'm already taking notes, and the iPhone one. It's iOS is about to come out the new version, so I'm always busy when Apple is doing, you know, when Apple does the keynote. So I watch it the first time live, and that's yeah. about it. They're bad times for you, really. <laughs> they they really are. And when Apple used to do the March event, um, I was, you know, I wasn't busy uh, in that time of the year. But now when they do, you know, just June and September, I'm usually busy. And the October events were not really that much interesting. You know when they did at least for me when they did the Mac updates and that kind of well, stuff. Yeah. The March, stupid, the March isn't is mostly not interesting as well, right? Like on on the whole, it's it's it tends to be the one of the quieter. If they do, you know, three or four a year, either March or October or both, will be the quieter events. Like the more interesting stuff happens in June and September. Totally. So uh, last in the follow up uh, is just a little check in on our St Jude fundraiser. It's going super well. Our goal was nine grand, and we are at as if I as I load this page sixteen thousand five hundred and three dollars, so almost wow. double, which would be super awesome. Our um, so our, our I don't think we, maybe we didn't talk about this. So I'm not running this year, but our kids, our two oldest kids, are doing the kids marathon. That's what this page is actually for. And every morning they wake up and want to know how <laughs> it's going, which I think is is super it's super exciting for them to see that see that uh, support roll in. There you go. You can inspire the hearts and minds. Dear listener, if you haven't already pledged, there's a link in the show notes to do that. Yep. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Squarespace. Use the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. With the ability to grab a unique domain, couple your website with beautiful, outfit it with wonderful award-winning templates, and so much more, Squarespace are the perfect place for your next idea, project, event, store, whatever it is, make your next move with Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that will let you build any type of website. Whether you're looking to build an online store, a portfolio, blog, uh, maybe you want to build a site for your band or your restaurant or your business, they have templates that are fit for these exact purposes, but you can also choose any of their templates. Maybe there's just one that you like the look of more than others, and they're completely customizable. So you can just pull out all the content and start over with the nice, fresh, blank canvas, and you can customize things to your heart's content. They have loads of great font options and color options and all that stuff. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Squarespace have got you covered. They have a 24-7 award-winning customer support team. If you need any help, they're right there, just in case. This is also great for if you have like a family member or a local club or society and somebody's asking you for help with this kind of stuff you can tell them what squarespace is you can help them get set up and then you can just say oh if you need anything past this point just uh, just contact their support team the support team's great and they're right there i've always found it really useful to help look through their support documentation as well i found answers to any question i've ever had um, in their support documentation which is really really nicely written which i really appreciate it's it's even some of the technical stuff they're very you know they're, they're 
they keep things nice and clear and and, and uh, it's easier to follow. So really, really great. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial today with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. Just use the offer code WORLD when you sign up and you'll get 10% off your first purchase as well as show your support for this show. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting Connected and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, let's talk about the Apple Watch. Um, so just a just a brief recap in case uh, in case you haven't watched the keynote at all. Um, the big, I guess, the big thing is that the Apple Watch Series Three comes with LTE and it's seventy percent faster. I'm really intrigued about the um, how how it's going to feel to be faster and untethered. Like I'm really interested to see what happens to applications. Right? Like, are they going to get the data from the cloud and like how is that all going to work like i can i imagine myself once i get my apple watch later this week uh spoilers for if i pre-ordered or not um i'm i guess i'm just going to put my iphone into airplane mode for a while and just like see what happens right like what does Mm. it do and and how does it work because i know that there's that wi-fi thing right you know you can have it connect to a wi-fi network and stuff like that but that's always been it's always been a little bit flaky because I feel like the watch is still always looking for the phone. Like even when it's doing that, it's like it would prefer to be talking to the phone directly if it can. So like it tries to see if it can find it. But I'm really intrigued to see how things load and how things operate and how apps work uh, with these two key things. So like a faster processor and a LTE chip. Yeah, I don't know how much is is really known about that. I also wonder if developers are going to need to do anything. I just I just don't know with their uh, watch OS apps, like make it aware that it could like if the phone is missing that it can still do stuff. It all it all seems a little hazy to me. My guess is that it will work just kind of as you expect. Like if the phone's there, it will depend on the phone more. But then if the phone goes away, it is still fine. Like it can still do everything that it needs to do. I expect it to be a very seamless experience. Um, I don't know if there's going to be like any mode switching necessarily that we would even notice as, as end users. So I don't understand the process of how this virtual SIM works. Like it's still your phone number. So how does that happen? Like does your carrier... I have like ba- very basic kind of understanding of this from the stuff that I've pieced together that mm. the carrier knows and like that's why there's all this carrier support needed because my understanding is that they're I assume using a combination of some of the technology that Apple has for call forwarding and stuff like that um, as well as just like the carrier being like there are two devices that are connected to this telephone number which I don't think is something I mean that's not something that's that's wild I think Google Voice was like that right like Google Voice could call multiple devices um, I, mm-hmm. I assume there's some kind of forwarding that can occur, right? I mean, but the the thing that I was going to mention specifically is like the electronic SIM thing. It's it's all a little bit peculiar to me because there's no roaming or anything like that. It's not an Apple SIM. Like you just sign up for a plan and that's it. I don't think it's like super simple to just move to another provider, right? Like I don't think that's kind of how that works. But my understanding of it is kind of just like that Apple works with the carriers, the carriers know there are these devices. And from what I can see from my carrier, if you buy a device um, kind of unlocked, yeah, like you just buy it straight from Apple, 
you sign up for a plan inside of the Apple Watch app, is what they're saying. Because mm. my carrier mm. EE is currently not publicly saying how much the plans are. Because what they are trying to do right now, I believe, is push people to buy it directly through them. So you can get like an Apple Watch for free, but you pay like £25 a month for it. But there are there is an ability to do what I'm doing, the same as a phone, and buy it outright and then get a plan. But there has been some people reporting that it's going to be something like £5 a month, which is effectively $10 a month, right? Which is what it's been elsewhere. So I'm expecting that Apple kind of set these limits to kind of fall around the same amount of money. Uh, but as it stands yeah. of this, like at the time of recording, like there is no information for me to work out how much this is actually going to cost me, which is very peculiar. Hmm. There, there was a thing over the weekend or at the end of last week where T-Mobile came out and said that the, like you could use it on 3G. It would be throttled to 3G data speeds unless you paid more and then you could have the speeds that you get on your phone. seems like they've rolled that back a little bit. Maybe I think they got a lot of pressure for that. Yeah. They've changed it to LTE now. Like they've just made it LTE for everyone. Yeah, that's good. I mean that, that <laughs> limiting it to uh 512 kilobits a second, not, not a super great look. Um, but yeah, I think, I think most of these are going to be five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. And for me, like I'm not super pumped about giving AT&T more money a month, but it's totally fine. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't have a problem with it. Like I'm, I'm buying, have bought spoilers, an expensive watch yet again. And for me, like it's gonna be nice to just leave my phone behind, doing certain things. You know, even like even uh, this weekend doing yard work, where right? I have my my seven plus in my pocket, and it's just like it's bulky and and fell out of my pocket at some point, like into face down in a bunch of dirt. It's like, hey, this would be really nice to have my phone in the counter yeah. inside, and if someone calls me or something, I can still. I could still mm. use my watch. I think what it will do for me, and I'm curious what the two of you think about this, or if you guys run into this now, where like there's some apps that I use all the time on my phone that just are really bad or non-existent on the watch. So like if I get a, a, a DM in Slack, I can't reply to it on my watch because that's broken for whatever reason for me. And well, you, you confirm the notifications now, but but yeah, I get your point. Yeah, maybe it's just maybe it's just a beta thing. I have a lot of trouble with it, but or you know, not even that. Like say. Um, all sorts of stuff that comes in that is is sort of like I'm gonna have to triage more, I guess, on on the watch now than I than I ever have because it could be the only thing I have with me. But you know, things like iMessage and stuff all work really well, and that's probably the most important thing. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to to have some freedom to leave the phone behind, but still be uh, reachable. And uh, so yeah, so I I joined you, Mike, and bought it an LTE model. So there's a thought that I had. Um about the sort of the role that, that Apple sees for the Apple Watch. Uh, because last year we were talking about uh, like how Apple is now focusing on the health and fitness aspect. And that is still very much true, especially because, you know, they're featuring, you know, people who have been using the Apple Watch to get in better shape or to get healthier. And so that is still true that the Apple Watch is primarily maybe a fitness device. But there's also the... What I found fascinating from the event is how the Apple Watch is sort of becoming the new iPod for Apple from a music perspective. And they're pushing really heavily on this idea of now you can stream 40 million songs on your wrist. And, you know, they're doing commercials with the Apple Watch and the AirPods together. And they're, you know, um, pushing this idea of 
being free from the iPhone and having constant, constant access to music. And I found that oh, yeah. fascinating. Oh, yeah. I'll have that now. Look at me. Look at you. Welcome to 2017. Already. We're so proud of you. Yeah. Yes. And even in iOS 11, you know, there's features that, in like when I was in the music app the other day on, on the iOS 11 GM, and iOS 11 asked me, do you want to automatically add music to your Apple Watch? So iOS is even being proactive uh, in terms of making mm-hmm. sure that you all that you always have music, and and I found that interesting because it seems like you know from a beginning where the Apple Watch was supposed to be everything all the time, Apple has sort of scaled back, and now for the second year in a row we're sort of seeing Apple tackling a different aspect of this big experience that is watchOS and optimizing a single, you know, it's like a single feature, a single aspect yeah. of the Apple Watch. Yeah, I'm happy that it will have the music stuff, but music isn't what the audio that I want, right? Like, I want podcasts, and I want them with Overcast. That's what I want. Totally. Right, and I know that there are a million things, and I know that Marco's working on it, but that's what I want. Um, And it's it's frustrating to me that I'm going to have an LTE-connected device that can't listen to audio unless it's Apple Music. I don't even know if Apple... Is there even an Apple Podcast Watch app? Probably not, right? I don't think there is. You know, it's just like, oh, come on. Like, whatever it is that... It surprises me that, like, they would make this LTE watch and focus on this this one part of the audio thing about it, but yet there still seems to not be good audio APIs for other people to take advantage of. I don't think that that does a good job for the watch like the music thing is going to be the music thing whatever it's going to be when honestly like if i was gonna bet i would say that the audio apis are bad because they maybe just want one music provider on the product for the time Mm. being would be my would be my bet they could do that with policy not a cruddy api i don't know uh, but but policy is way harder to to be like no no we can only have one music app like API is no. an easier way to do that. Uh, they they tangled with Spotify a couple years ago. They'll do it again. They're not afraid. Well, Anyways, no, I agree with you though. Podcast on the watch would be amazing. Um, we we shouldn't go much further without without recognizing that we have two listeners in the Apple Watch video. Mm-hmm. This is incredible. So the 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 watch video it's on YouTube now. Uh, the the hey people write letters to Apple t- saying you know how the watch has made difference in their life which is a great it's a great spot. Uh, uh, Kyle the Gray is riding a bike and it's um so I started getting a text from him like a couple the stream was a couple minutes behind for different people I was like what do you he's like hey 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 I'm like hey Kyle <laughs> it took me a minute Yo. to catch up <laughs> what was going on uh, but he's put a link in the uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the the letter that he wrote he put up on his website. And it was just, um, it was fun to see. Along with uh, Stuart Brangen, um, who's another Real FM listener who was also in the video. Stuart was the guy who stands up in the office at the that's time to shot. stand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's him. He's another Real FM listener who heard us talking about Kyle. I was like, hey, I'm in the video too. I was like, of course you are, because that makes sense. We have two listeners in an Apple video. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. It, 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 it's uh, it's it's the slow takeover of relay of all Apple Media. Um, I I really, I think Apple really struggled with the watch in the beginning 
they, they didn't really know what it was for. Like you go back and watch that first keynote and like Kevin Lynch is like, I opened my garage door with it and I opened a hotel room with it and I can see what my daughter's doing. Like all of this stuff that the watch has just fallen away and that the, the users of the watch have said, we want notifications and we want fitness. And Apple has responded to that and made, made those things better, right? This year, Sailor makes both of those things better, but their advertising has caught up with that. And I think out of, I think like the iPad Pro commercials they've done of like the iPad Pro versus versus a traditional computer and the, these like Apple Watch fitness pieces are like Apple's current marketing at its best. I think I think they're really finally telling the story of the Apple Watch in a way that makes sense. People like, hey, you know, if you want notifications and you want fitness tracking, like this is the device you should get. And and no other device on the market can do that. You know, people still ask Fitbit versus Apple Watch. Fitbit only gets you halfway there. Uh, and I think I think Apple's really kind of telling a cohesive story with this watch. I think this video is another chapter in that story. Yeah, I would maybe like posit that this is what will always happen if you launch an app store onto a platform too early. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Look at the Apple TV, right? It's the same thing. Yep, it's the exact same thing. Because all people know is to put the app that they're currently making on it. And because nobody knows how to use it yet. Like it is easily argued that the apple watch was debuted by before apple even knew how to use the thing because watch os yeah. was it two i think it was two which came out kind of like midway or something like it was yeah, yeah. right it's real fast and it made it vastly better and then three made it even better but like at the things that it was good at and just de-emphasized the things that it wasn't you know like yeah oh the honeycomb is dumb and we should maybe have a better way of switching between apps Remember the interface to access your friends on a oh, dial? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it was a circle and now it's gone completely. <laughs> yeah, a couple of days ago, Dina was like, how do I get to the digital touch thing? Like I, she, she wanted oh, it for no. some reason. Uh, and I was just like, well, here's the 17 steps you now need to be able to do that. Did you hear like a record scratch? Like when she asked that? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere the, the, the one person at Apple who worked on that, who's still there, like they felt it, right? They felt a disturbance in the force. Like someone, someone's looking for it. <laughs> That person must have seen their feature slowly be demoted. Uh, first on yeah. the Apple oh, Watch, and yeah. then on the iPhone and iMessage. You can now yeah. actually delete digital touch if you don't want it. Like, how great must they have felt? <laughs> like, oh man, it's being put on the iPhone now. That's how good it is. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's taking up prime real estate. <laughs> it all came yeah. crashing down mm-hmm. in 12 months. <laughs> yeah. You went from having a whole button so dedicated sorry. just to you on the Apple Watch to being deletable on the iPhone. <laughs> I'm so sorry for the that. I mean, we make fun of the feature because the way that it looks and because nobody uses it. But I do feel kind of bad for, you know, there must be someone who felt proud to make it happen, you know? And so that's not funny uh, that someone, you know, it's not their fault. Some manager told them, hey, you got to make a feature that turns handwriting into this kind of cute animation. So um, the problem is definitely not the engineers who work on this stuff. It's the, They can't all be winners, though, right? Like that's just They, the they cannot all be. be winners. And that was an unfortunate feature. And I see every time we talk about digital touch and, you know, we poke fun at the feature, I get people on Twitter and say, oh, you're so detached from reality. Uh, I see people using digital touch every day. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. I think facts speak for themselves. And the fact that, you know, 
now it's basically impossible to use it on the watch and on the iPhone you can delete the thing if you want. It suggests to me that it didn't go didn't go as planned. Um, yeah. You can still you can still send handwritten messages in in iMessage though. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. So w- what did we get? Right. Like I went, I went with, with a forty-two millimeter space gray, um, with the olive sport loop. I think it's called the olive dark olive or something. So I went with the uh, LTE stainless steel with the white sport band. Oh, my, my first gen, my original Apple Watch was stainless steel. My huh. Series Two is the space gray aluminum, and the the steel is much heavier. Uh, so I actually pulled my my original Apple Watch out this week and kind of been looking at it. I really missed the way that it looked, so I went steel this time again. Huh. So hopefully I get used to the weight. But regular stainless steel the, or black stainless? steel? Yes, regular, regular stainless shiny steel. stainless steel. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Back to my roots. Yep. I I didn't buy a watch at all uh, because of it's not the cellular version is not out in Italy yet. We I think we're not gonna get it until next year. Whoa. Uh, I saw some. I saw someone on Twitter, uh, and I hope they're wrong. I, I don't know where this person got their information. Uh, but it's not out in Italy yet. So I really do want the cellular one, especially now that you know we we go um you know walking with the dogs often and i don't want to bring my phone it's heavy and it falls out of my pocket when i have to play with the dogs so i really want the cellular apple watch but there's no point for me in buying it now where my series 2 is still working pretty well and uh, it's, it's actually fine it's perfect uh but i want the cellular one so i'm gonna wait and i guess it's 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 worth seeing how people report on and talk about and review the speed performances it's I guess it's worth hearing what they're like before buying one, yeah. right? Because if it is a thing where it's like, oh my god, everything's different, then you might be like, okay, maybe I'll get one of the like the GPS ones or whatever, right? Because they're cheaper and like, whatever. But I I would probably take the line that you're taking of if you can't get the cellular, then don't bother yeah. until you know otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I would buy the cellular model now and wait until it can be activated but it's not for sale at all and oh, so you can't like, even, oh i mean that makes sense i, makes I cannot sense. even buy it i and and i saw um on again on twitter that if you buy a cellular one from say the uk it's not gonna work on the italian network well okay so there, but i there, i think that that's only once you activate it Right, so like they, mm. they don't roam, but I think it's, uh, I think it's. I would be surprised if that was the case. I think it's the you know you get those bands, you know you get like you got to get your watch is got to be one of the ones of in the certain bands, right? It's the same as when you buy an iPhone from abroad. And yeah. then my expectation is once you have activated a plan, you then it's you, locked. You cannot change. Okay, that, it's that's because it doesn't roam, and that's my expectation. Because mm-hmm. when you go onto the page, like, and you look at all the like the bands and the tech specs and all that sort of stuff, there are like similar model numbers that work on multiple countries, right? The same as an iPhone. So that's that. I expect it's that's the thing, the way that it ends up working. But yeah, they just don't sell it for you there. But yeah, that, that's how I that's how I assume. Yeah. But I don't know. But like that would be my mm-hmm. assumption, just based upon the the yeah. what are the technical specs pages or whatever yeah. they are. But- the two changes that I really want to try are, I mean, of course, the cellular stuff and Apple Music integration and Siri that is faster and speaks to you now. Mm. So that I'm really, I'm actually really excited about the Siri change. Uh, 
But I don't know when it's going to come out in Italy, so we'll see. Yeah, I haven't really yeah. spent any time with WatchOS 4 yet either. Because um, as of the time of recording this, it's not available like on the public track. Um, and I just, I stay away from putting the betas on my watches because it feels like it's always a nightmare of some description. So I, I stay away from those. But eventually, well, within a few hours from now, I will be trying out 4. And then in a few days, I'll be trying it on the new watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of waiting this week. Update your current watch to watch OS 4, which took a long time. Yep. <laughs> and then back up and move your data to your new watch, which also takes a long time. Lots of waiting this week for Apple Watches. Yep. yep. Um, which is super quick. Let's touch on the Apple TV 4K. Uh, the, the HDR movies... Um, are available now, so you can actually buy movies that are 4K HDR, and if you have a new iPad Pro, you can watch them in 1080p HDR, and I bought Logan, the Wolverine movie, and it looks good. I mean, I don't, I haven't compared it to something else, like to another device playing it, but like the, mm. the movie looked really good. Um, but yeah, I like that the, I like the fact that my display on my iPads can do this stuff, so they're letting me. I, I like that. That's cool. Have you have you been blown away by the color, Mike? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Does it look good? I, I don't know. It burned my retina out, so... <laughs> but it was one. It was good that one time. Mm-hmm. It was worth it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was a color overload. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the Apple TV itself, uh, I've ordered one of these as well because I have a 4K HDR TV, so... I want to be able to watch all of the stuff that I'm going to watch on it when eventually Amazon Prime comes to the Apple TV, which is apparently still happening later this year. Um, I will then be able to watch everything that I watch in mostly in well, all of it on the Apple TV and a lot of it in 4K. There is one holdout though, which is really interesting. Uh, the 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 movie studio that is held out, and uh, I guess follow up for Eddie Q, right? He did a free upgrade thing. We were talking about Eddie Q a few weeks ago, and if he was useful, well, that seemed like a useful thing. I assume that there's, that's Eddie's yeah. mad skills and negotiations. Yeah. We, we we were we were talking. Hey, maybe Eddie is you know his most important skill, most valuable asset is how he's able to negotiate with the labels and with the industry. And this should be the answer that we were looking for. I mean, this is a pretty sweet deal. It's one of my favorite surprises from from the keynote. You know, one of the, one of the smaller announcements that actually. I went like, huh, that, that's really well done. Because that felt like a given that we would be paying a small amount. Of yeah, mo- like, yeah, best yeah. case scenario was, oh, we'll pay a small amount of money to upgrade them, right? Because there was always the risk of like, no, you got to buy them again. So to get everything for free is great. But there is one surprising holdout of all of the movie studios, and that's Disney. Disney is the mm. only major movie studio that is not putting 4K HDR content on the Apple TV. And I think I might know why. So I saw some news a a few weeks ago about the fact that Marvel and Star Wars, all of the Marvel and Star Wars movies from here on out, will be only streaming on Disney's own platform, their own streaming service. Yep. I reckon these two things are related. The 4K versions... Of the movies will only be available. They'd rather charge you twenty bucks a month mm-hmm. than twenty dollars every six months for a movie. Yep, it's a no-brainer. It sucks, though. I mean, uh, I've thought a lot about the Disney streaming thing because I'm like 
pretty much their ideal uh, customer, right? Oh, you'll be getting it, man. Like, you- <laughs> I have an Apple TV. I have disposable income. I spend on media. And I have children, children who want to watch Disney yeah. movies. I like Star Wars and Marvel movies. So I'm probably going to sign up for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm going <laughs> to, but I don't want to because... Right, you know, I, I'd rather just I'd rather spend the twenty or twenty four, twenty nine dollars and own it. But it's just me. Yep, he said moving to Apple Music. But it's like I am already subscribed to two streaming services. I don't now want to yeah. start subscribing to streaming services of independent label not labels, but like movie studios. Right, right. Like I don't want my Disney one, and then my HBO one, and then my Netflix one, and then my CBS one, and then my BBC one. I, I, this is not a thing that I want to be able to do because Netflix, as it goes further and further down the line, is turning into that, right? Like Netflix is turning into you sign up for the Netflix content, so it is becoming its own studio, right? So as Netflix is now losing more third-party content, they're all just starting their own streaming services. And I'm not keen on having like 20 different channels and having to pay $20 a month for all of them. Like yeah. that's not We, we are we're currently watching an NBC show on Netflix and every time you start it it says, "Hey, this show comes off Netflix at the end of the month." And it's like we're racing to finish watching this yep. before it goes away. Yeah, it's like uh, we wanted to rewatch The Office, so I'm now Mm -hmm. buying The Office again because it's not on any streaming platform in the UK. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny how, and it seems like history is again going to repeat itself because we we had the solution to to piracy, right? Uh, You sign up for uh, either you know uh, you you buy stuff on iTunes and it's really easy, or you, you you use Netflix and it's really easy, and and people don't have the patience for torrents anymore because there's this single service, you pay for it, and it's done. But now, because these companies are greedy and they want to make more money, they're going to split everything up into 20, 25 services. And so people are going to be like, yeah, I don't want to pay a subscription for 10 different things every month. So guess what? I'm going to use torrents again, and I'm going to download stuff illegally. So it seems like the, the, the media industry as a real is really talented in terms of messing everything up all over again uh, just when they had some kind of solution they they have to ruin it all because money and i mean that is happening with music it's happening with movies and tv shows it's like i don't know where this is going you cannot possibly expect people to pay for 10 different services every single month i don't know well they're gonna try and then it's all gonna break down they are until someone come comes along and says, "Hey, you guys, I know you're in trouble, and guess what? We're gonna save you." So that's gonna be the iTunes Store situation all over again. But for streaming, first you gotta let these companies, you know, simmer and and understand their mistakes, and then someone is gonna come along. You bet that someone is gonna come along and Daddy. be like, "Well, yeah, maybe, maybe it's, it's the, the, sec- the, the, se- the second coming of Eddie. <laughs> uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be about saving the media industry from streaming and different services. I can see that happen actually. <laughs> so Federico, did you get an Apple TV? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a 4K TV, and uh, it's something on my on my shopping list uh, for later this year. I want to get a 4K TV and I want to get a PlayStation 4 Pro. And when I do that, I'm also gonna get a 4K Apple TV. But right now. I don't have it, so no point in, in getting one right now. Steven? I do not have a 4K TV, so no Apple TV for me. 
So neither of you wanted the updated server remote? Oh, yeah, that, that ring around the mini button uh-huh. is really going to make a cir- all the difference. There's a circle now. <laughs> uh, I, I ordered uh. one because I have a 4K TV and there's maple syrup in my Siri remote. So <laughs> I told you, I I told about, you about this, right? Yeah. No, I, I didn't know. I, I don't remember the story. I spilled a little maple syrup on my Siri remote like a year ago and the buttons still as, get stuck every one now does. and then. It's probably better than what it shipped by default. No. <laughs> it's just like I look for the extra <laughs> sticky button, and then that's the one that goes on that's the right know. side. You, you fix the design with uh-huh. some maple syrup, Mike. <laughs> that's all it takes, guys. Come on, that's all it takes. So next week on the show, we'll be talking, I guess, about our opinions. Well, Federico can listen in as uh, me and Steven talk about Apple Watches, and then you can all listen as I talk to you about how great the new screensavers look. Is that how people feel every single week when they listen to us? What, excited? They to, to, no, they listen to other people's opinions in silence. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what a podcast is. That's what yeah, it is. exactly right. what a podcast I mean, is. Have I you just ever realized. listened to a podcast before? <laughs> well, I make them. I don't listen to... A, no, I, I do listen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. when, you, when you say it like that, it kind of makes me feel bad. Oh, well. Would okay. you want to leave people a moment to say something to you right now? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can you can text me. You can send me a, a Twitter message. How can they text you? Know? you? A digital touch. <laughs> send me, a, yeah, send me. A, you know, there's actually people who um, find me on Telegram and they send me good wishes on Telegram. That's nice. Like, That's nice. Like that is very nice. It's mildly is it's right on the verge of mildly creepy and nice. I'm oh. not sure if there's an adjective to this, to define that. Germans probably have a word. Mm, yeah, I know. Probably. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break now. But before we do, I'm going to leave like just a couple of seconds now. And so, like, our listeners can say something to you, Federico. And then, oh, I'll, and then I'll, I'll, I'll thank FreshBooks. Okay. All right. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Um, I hope everybody has something nice to say to Federico. To all you freelancers out there, you know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. And is there a smarter decision than being able to save time to be able to put it to use in better ways? And our friends at FreshBooks can help you save up to 192 hours with their cloud accounting software because it is that easy to use. Imagine what you could do with an extra 192 hours. Because by simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for their customers to deal with their paperwork. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you when they've seen it, which puts an end to those guessing games. And then also, you can go into each of your clients, and you can see just how long it takes them to pay you on average. So you'll know whether it's worth bothering them or not because you'll be like oh okay i told them to pay in 30 days but they take 35 days i'll give it a couple of extra days also their notification center is a is a new feature of their brand new fresh books it's like your personal assistant you they will let you know whenever you log in your lovely little assistant will let you know what has changed in your business since you last logged in and what needs to be dealt with pronto so you can just go in and every time you go to fresh books you'll just get the most important things that desire your attention 
FreshBooks have over 10 million users now, but they've managed to stay a pretty small company. This is why Forbes said that on their best small companies of the year, they gave them the title Small Giant, which I love that phrase. I like to think of myself as a small giant. If you're listening to this and you're still not using FreshBooks, now is the time to try it. They're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com connected and enter connected in the how did you hear about us section. I would just like to say, personally, FreshBooks is so amazing. I use it all the time. Both me and Steven use it every single week. It, I can attest to the amount of time that it has saved me. If I had to do these invoices and send them out in any other way, I would probably lose my mind. Just, just the creation of these documents in something like Pages or having to track the due dates of all of this stuff, I think I... It's not even so much about the time that I've saved, although that is great. I probably wanted to have just given up by now. Um, I'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support of this show, Relay FM, and our business as well, because they're awesome and they help us out so much. Thank you, FreshBooks. It felt really special to send Invoice 1000. iOS 11 is out, and with that comes the most important thing of the year, which is Federico Vatici's iOS 11 review. Federico... Congratulations, you did it again. Thank you. It happened again. Yeah, uh, uh, thank bef- you. As we start talking about this, we talk about the review, and then we're going to kind of round out today talking about um, a little bit about iOS 11 in general and some applications. But the review is the is the thing that requires the, the most attention right now. I would love some statistics from you, like words, uh, time it took you to complete the review, uh, things like that. Do you have any of that stuff to hand? I would uh, be really interested. To yes, know. I uh, I actually do. I can look them up for you right now. Um, so in terms of statistics for the word count is mostly similar to last year. It's uh, around 50,000 words. Um, and there's 38 videos. Um, and... 358 links in the main body of the story. Wow. Um, I I don't know. Actually, uh, yes, I do know. And there are 251 images in the story. Do you have a sense of how much time it took you to in hours? Uh, yes, because I've been time tracking all of this in Toggle. And I set up a project for... Uh, the the Mac Stories review um, divided in multiple tasks, for, so like research, um, writing, editing, screenshots. Uh, there's some time that is actually that it, that is missing. So this is uh, treat this as a very uh, close approximation of the work that I put into this. So I'm looking it up right now. iOS 11 review this year. It took me. Let's see. My name is Federico. Yes. <laughs> Want to guess? 125 hours. <laughs> I'm going to say over 200. Yes. 211 hours. Huh. Uh, of, Price is right style. Uh, um, these are the hours that I mm, saved in Toggle. For example, uh, two days ago, I forgot to time track the entire day and I probably worked 10 hours that day. So it's in the it's it's around two hundred and I would say two hundred and thirty hours. Wow. Yeah, let's say that I didn't track twenty of them. Yeah, uh, and I, and I have a breakdown here. It says um, sixteen hours in June, which I I don't believe it's 
you know, there's probably 10 hours missing, 90 hours in July, 62 hours in August, and 42 hours, again, probably 10 missing in September. Yeah. It's a, it's a big time. project. It's a, <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of my time. Yes. How did it feel this year to to write the review? Um, it felt better. It felt like I I was um. It felt like the words were coming out more easily, especially when I when I got to the iPad chapter. Um, mm. So what I, I struggled last year, you know, coming from iOS nine, there was such a huge iPad release iOS 10 required me to change, to, to switch gears and to change the way that I was talking about iOS because it was, it was a, this kind of consumer update with, you know, with messages, with Apple Music, and that is not my forte, I would say. And so I had to learn a, a different skill. How do I talk about these apps? How do I talk about these services? And this year, it was kind of a return to form in the sense that I'm back to talking about iPad productivity and I'm talking about these changes to multitasking and all this stuff. So I I had to go back to the way that I, I was looking at iOS two years ago in 2015 with iOS 9. And I was talking about this with you and with Sylvia a few days ago. I don't remember what it was like in July. So after my notes were complete and my mind map was done and was waiting for me, I remember that in two weeks in July, I wrote most of the review. But if you ask me, do you remember the exact moment when you went from a blank page to the chapter? I, I don't remember. Because the way that I write is I, I take a lot of notes. I think about it a lot. I create a mind map. And I think and I think and I think until I sit down, I close the door on my bedroom studio and I write for six to seven to eight hours straight. And so it's it's that kind of process that just happens. Yeah. And I what I do what I can tell you to answer your question is that I, I felt better writing this one than last year's review because writing the iPad section made me happy. And that was a major difference from iOS ten. Cause I guess there was more in it for you to be personally excited about it probably yeah. made it a lot more fun to actually um, write it's a, yes it's it's partly fun but the other part is you know there's some folks who who see these stories as manuals or guides mm -hmm. and sure there's explanations of how things work um that is i believe the uh, the nature of a technical review you gotta you gotta you can't just tell people there's this feature and i have this opinion at least i i wouldn't feel good about it to just have opinions without explaining why or how and the way that the ipad chapter made me feel is it was fun to play with and it was fun to learn but also it allowed me to present my opinions in a way that i could have the evidence to present those opinions i could have more material to go about and whereas last year sure i could talk about i could talk about iMessage but you know and i had fun but it didn't i didn't feel as as good as i felt this year talking about the ipad because it's you know this is what i this is what i do on ios and so it was a chance for me to to share all these opinions that i had bottled up all these yeah. these thoughts 
in one single huge story. And that made me feel good about it. I think that really comes off in the review. I mean, let alone the fact that, if, I mean, what percentage of the review is the iPad section? It's probably close to like a third, if not more, I would assume. So the iPad chapter, um, I'm not good at math, Mike. Uh, I would say it's about 35. Yeah. 30% of the review. Yeah. One, one third of the review is the iPad. Yeah. I mean, and that really comes off. I mean, in in the 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 conclusion and the introduction, and there are sections throughout, even that are outside of the iPad chapter, that are all focusing on the iPad, right? I mean, and you call it yourself that that this is an iPad release again. That's what iOS eleven. It has a lot of things in it, but it shines best on the iPad, at least from the features yeah. that Apple shipped. Yes. Right, because there's yep. stuff like AR kit and things like that. Like they exist, but that's not what the review is about. Because there was nothing in iOS 11 itself, from a consumer perspective, that you could really talk about there. Exactly. There's no. Uh, I I debated having, for example, AR kit as a chapter uh, on its, you know, a standalone chapter in the review, and instead I put it as a section inside everything else. Because to me, that's what it is. It's it's a major feature of iOS 11, but it's not made by Apple. It's not technically it is part of the OS, but it's also not unless you go on the App Store and download a bunch of apps. So um, when it comes to the stuff that is baked into the OS, so if I buy a new iPhone and there's uh, or a new iPad and there's iOS 11 on it, what do I get? And this is what you get. Uh, the stuff that I talk about in the review. This is what you get when you do a clean install and you have no apps. This is what there is an iOS 11. So I, I always try to take that approach. I don't talk about the iPhone 10. Uh, I don't talk about future features uh, that my readers cannot try. I don't talk about third-party apps too much. I do mention third-party apps as examples of APIs and technologies applied to iOS 11, but I don't review them. And I don't for that reason, I don't talk about ARKit too much because we'll have to see how it goes with third-party developers on the App Store. And... I know that other reviews are probably going to focus on ARKit a lot, and it's uh, you know I guess some uh, publications are going to make their iOS 11 reviews mostly about ARKit, and I think that's fair. But from from my perspective, it's not the kind of review that I wanted to have. Yeah, because I think I think review is a is a tough word for for what you do, and I, and I think this is where a lot of people stumble when they see you know the many 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 words is i have been referring to it as like a comprehensive review as maybe a way to describe it but it is part review in the sense of the idea of here is my opinion about this stuff but it's also a in-depth look at everything Mm. yes and there shouldn't be many of those right there should be one or two of those that are published because nobody can read 10 publications writing about every single feature of ios but i mean look i'm biased i mean but i think we can all agree here everybody here believes you're the best person to do this because you understand ios at a level that is greater than most people that are writing about this type of stuff in our industry because you use it to a greater 
extent than anybody else. Um, but yeah, it's like, but it is both of those things. And I think that, that the word review puts it in a corner that I don't think is fair to well, what you produce. Well, to me, the difference is quite simple. Uh, when, you, when you buy a TV and you open the box and you take out the manual, the manual has no opinions, has no thoughts, has no personality. And it's just a manual. And honestly, when, I, when, I, when someone refers to my stuff as a manual, I find that mildly offensive. Because yeah, it's not a manual. It's not a manual. It's not a... Like, calling it a manual... Um, Honestly, diminishes myself and what I do for a living. Uh, yes, I I do talk about every single feature, every single detail because that's what I like to do. But I do so. I I at least I hope that it comes through. I try to do so with my personal opinion, my personal thoughts. It's why I write in the first person. It's why the review. Yes, it's comprehensive. Yes, it, it's not the usual review, and you know, to me. It would be a manual if, you know, the guide that you buy from Apple is a manual um, that you download from, from the iBooks, iBook store. That's a manual. Mm-hmm. They have no opinions. They just say that everything is fantastic because it's Apple. Uh, th- we can debate on, you know, whether I'm right or I'm wrong. I don't think it's about that. I think, you know, and we go about this, we go over this every single year. Um, obviously, there's people who don't like long form. There's people who do. And there's people who want audio, and we made them happy this year. I hope um, there's people who want ebooks, and there's also an option for that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't even remember what the question was anymore, Mike. Well, I, I was just <laughs> saying that uh, I don't even know how I got here now. But but it's, I I find I was just saying that I find either guide and review to not do a good job of explaining what you do, um, because I think it's Probably. both and it's more than right because. You do explain all the features like a guide would, but you put your spin on it and your opinion in it and your personality in it like a review. But people who are coming at it for a guide or coming at it for a review, they're getting more and both. Like it's, you know what I mean? I feel like there isn't a word for it. But my, I think my original point was there shouldn't be though, because there shouldn't be a lot of them. Um, this is something that yeah. you really, you really have to live with. And it's something that not a lot of people will be able to produce. And if you look at like the, the, the reviews that are most similar to yours are obviously Syracuse's Mac OS reviews, his OS ten reviews. And the way that you write a review like this is by that's all you do. And John didn't write anything else during this period of time. If ever in a year, he would write these. And it's similar, like, over the summer, you don't write anything else, really, other than this. Mm -hmm. This is what you write. And I think that's why not every publication should or can do something like this, because you've got to be in a position where you can devote somebody's entire working life, effectively, to thinking, eating, sleeping, living this thing, because you wrote a book, right? Like, it's book length. That's what you did. You, mm-hmm. you, you turned out the amount of words that go into a book, which turns it into entertainment and a resource. And I know that having... Uh, I think this is the first time I have read one of your iOS... Of the three that I have read every single word of your review. But I also find that mm-hmm. to be mostly okay because there are chapters that I am not interested in, so I wouldn't read them. And I think mm-hmm. that that's mostly fine. Like, for example, the Safari chapter. I don't use Safari. Uh-huh. Or the Apple <laughs> Mail chapter. I don't use it. Like, I don't care. 
Well, they're really small ones, though. <laughs> they are really small. They are really small. Um, but do, do you know what I mean? That like, so there yes, is yes. there is an element of it where like, if you were to write a review of any of the apps that are about to come out, they're different because they're less guides and it's more just like, here is everything that I liked in this thing, and here's whether I think you should buy it or not. And you do that with iOS 11. Like, here is everything I like about this, and here's my opinions. But also, here is all of this information. It's like, I'm trying to give a compliment to you here, but just say that, like, it is a unique, there aren't a lot of things that are like this. It's called review, I think, because we don't have a better word for it. Um, And I think it's it's a a comprehensive, a long form, and... I see it as, okay, uh, sit down and open this book and read this website or listen to this audiobook and let's go over every single change in iOS 11. And this is what I think. Is that a review? Is that a guide? Is that something in between? Uh, I don't know, but people seem to tune in for it. And uh, I, I agree that Colony just review doesn't represent exactly what it is, but maybe the point is it doesn't need to be. It it just is, you know. Like <laughs> a review, that, either is or it isn't, right? That's it's it's a <laughs> it's it's a Schrodinger's review. Uh, it you know what what is it really? Uh, Nobody it can be knows. a review or not until you open it. All right, you mentioned the audio book a couple of times. Mm. Yeah, let's get into this a little bit. <laughs> um, so, Mike, you recorded it. It's your mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. Your voice over the course of it's five hours long, five hours and twenty two minutes. You reading the review. There's mm-hmm. characters in it. You do voices. No, I'm just kidding. You don't do voices. Uh, <laughs> there are characters though. Why is this? Uh, why this edition, Federico? Why did you want to add this component to it? Um, uh, there's two reasons. Uh, the first one is Mike. Every single year he. Usually when we're flying to WWDC or we're talking to each other and he goes, you know, you should really have an audiobook option. Um, And every year I go like, but there's no time. How can I I add an extra product to to the things that we work on in the summer? I don't have enough people to help me. It's not something that I have the time to deal with. And the second reason is uh, Maxaris readers and, you know, people who follow us, there's a good percentage of them that every year they go like, you you know, I actually really wish there was a way to listen to this because I have the time to listen. I don't have the time to sit down and read. And I always found that interesting. And I also found Mike's um, argument interesting because he, he, he sure made a good point. And this year, I guess the stars aligned in that we have a, we're a small team, but we're growing every year. And this year we had Ryan helping us. And, um, you know, WWC was a week earlier. Apple did the event a week later than we expected. And it was a combination of uh, timing. And the McSorris team was bigger. And Mike's arguments were very convincing. And also I had two, I had an extra week to write in July. So I was like... Let's just try and see what happens. So um, I think either when we were coming back from WWC or maybe in San Jose or maybe when I was already in Italy, I don't remember, but around that time, before or during or after WWC, I told Mike, let's do the audiobook. And 
And he, he he seemed to be happy. I don't know if he was happy later on when he was reading the, <laughs> the book. But initially, initially, I don't know if he hates me now, but initially at least he was really happy about the yeah. idea. So so what does that process look like? I, I assume that this was recorded pretty late in the game, right? So every, all the sections were done. Kind of kind of where did this fall into the workflow that you had already established mm. since this is not your first review? So um, obviously there, there were a new kind of collaboration to consider um, because Mike told me that it was going to be uh, free a couple of weeks in August and then we thought we were going to have a week or 10 days in September to finish everything. Obviously, I didn't want to send drafts to Mike, like stuff that I would have to considerably change later. Yeah, this, um, this was something that, that we spoke about very early on. The drafts were pointless for me. Um, yes. Because the, I can't do anything with a draft because so much is going to change that I would be wasting my time in the first recording. You know, th- yep. there were changes made to pre-recorded audio, but these were small changes or I would change a whole section. But so many small and big changes would have to be made if I recorded any draft audio that it would make the recording of the first audio pointless. So we we didn't right. we had to wait for things to be completed before I could do anything with them. Yeah. And so what I did was I I sort of changed my workflow around Mike. Um from a technical perspective, I was writing uh, my review in Ulysses and I organized chapters as uh, individual sheets in the app. So um, as I was marking something as um, edited, I, I, I sent the draft to Ryan and after going through each chapter six or seven times, I marked the chapter as uh, finalized for Mike. Actually, Mike was a keyword in my Ulysses. When something was <laughs> tagged as Mike, it meant that Mike had received the chapter. Mm. And so I could move on. Um, I also used Mike as a filter in Ulysses. So I, I used Mike for automation, Yeah, really. Uh, there's The moral of the story is Mike's, Mike makes for some excellent workflows. I do. Um, and... Uh, Instead of the the big change to sum up was instead of treating the review as a big single text file, it was edited multiple times over and over in chunks, and then later on again multiple times as a single file. But mm. to make the audiobook happen, I needed to edit for like two weeks, three weeks. All the chapters until iPad, basically. And I finished iPad and I sent the iPad chapter and all the re- remaining ones, but those were shorter, to Mike in early September. That's a lie, but, but the, yeah, go on. That they were not shorter? <laughs> they were not shorter. I mean, all of the longest chapters were the second half that you sent me. So like really? files was in there and apps. I files got, was not long. Files, apps... And apps iPad are apps the longest was, chapters. Ah, hmm. At least well, in PDF page count, I believe that they were the longest. But <laughs> that, there were that, there that were. Is... Um, I ba- basically we arranged this that I would kind of tackle it in two chunks. I would be recording some in America and some when I got back home again. And I recorded, I think, nine out of eighteen chapters in America. 
Um, and I came home to the thought that, like, great, only 50% of the work left to go. It was probably, like, a, a good 60 to 70% of the work was still left to be done. Uh, just from a pure time perspective for me for what needed to be recorded. Just because the iPad chapter and some of the surrounding chapters in the second half of the chapters, which is not the second half of the book, right? Like uh, I did nine chapters and then nine chapters, but the, they came through slightly out of order. But it, the, the, the later chapters that were sent to me were, they were longest, which was a fun thing to realize. But I was also blessed with the extra week i could have done it um and i planned to do it uh all in a week just in case but then when the apple event was announced i was able to give myself uh, a little bit more breathing room which was welcome so so you were recording basically in sections as federico had them ready for you you kind of were able to move through it's like you sat down on on a monday no. And recorded for five hours and no, then it no stopped way. and you were done. There's absolutely no way I could have done it. Um, yeah. I mean, there were times where I was sitting and talking into a microphone for an hour, like just me. And mm-hmm. I hadn't realized the difference between a podcast and a narration project. Because there are a few things that are different, but they make for a, a, a incredibly different experience. One of them is... The fact that on none of my shows do I talk for the entire time, right? Like there is conversation. The other is the way that I'm talking to you guys right now. I'm just talking. We're just we're just talking. We're having a conversation. But reading and repeating and going back and fixing things and talking over myself and repeating lines, repeating lines and trying to like maintain a specific tone and pitch, that is much harder than I had initially anticipated it would be. Um, And I was very surprised how I would finish a 45-minute recording session and I would be hoarse in a way that I am never after recording podcasts. It was a a very different experience um, for me. Uh, As a fun fact, every single chapter, bar one, was recorded in one sitting. Um, iPad took three sittings. <laughs> Everything else was done in one, um, and the maximum time was an hour each. Like w- would be the maximum for them, and they would go anywhere from like ten minutes to an hour. Um, but iPad took took three um, done over two days. I think it was two or three days, <laughs> and that was what I got because we had extra time. Otherwise, iPad would have been all done in one day, and I would have died. Right. So. You've recorded this. I assume that you did the editing as well. Mm-hmm. So, ums and ahs taken out. Is it real tight? How how was that process? And, and I'm curious how much time the edit took versus the narration. So, it's interesting because the edit took longer than I expected because I thought I was giving myself a... I thought I'd come up with an ingenious system. So, when I edit a podcast like the one we're doing right now... I will make notes of the things that need to be fixed later on. And what that does is it means that it takes me about half of the recorded time to to edit and publish a show. Uh, a show where I listen through to the entire thing, so something like Cortex and, and edit it, it takes me about 1.5 to 2 minutes for every minute recorded. Right. So if something lasts an hour, it will take me like an hour and a half to two hours to edit it. 
So I figured to myself, what I will do is I record directly into Logic and I will drop markers in the Logic project of all of the places where I screw up. And then all I need to do is just go and fix those. You screw up a lot, a lot when you're reading, <laughs> like a lot, um, especially because for, I reckon, about 90% of the book, the first time I'd read any of the words was the time that I was recording them. So okay. there were many parts of the book that were I had read multiple times because they had to be recorded multiple times because I was unhappy with how I was reading them. Right or like something just wasn't going the way I was expecting, so I had to go back and and redo it because I was unhappy with it. It ended up still taking me one and a half to two minutes for every recorded minute, even with this different process, because there were many, many more edit points than I was expecting in every chapter, and they were difficult edits. You know, there are many parts where one half of a word and the second half of a word were recorded during different times and that was just the best place to stitch them that is okay. a very very difficult thing to do convincingly in a way that you wouldn't notice um but that was a way so like you know i would start the word ipad and half of it would have been recorded at one point and the second half of it was recorded 10 minutes later but i had to redo it and stitch them back together again um so it was it was a tricky edit and also i had to make sure that i was picking up everything that was needed whenever i was making an edit to make sure that i got all the parts that i needed to get um so yeah the edit the edit process took a very long time um and then once everything was edited it was all sent back to to ryan and federico and then they would go through and there would be things that i still needed to go and change or things that they weren't happy with or just like words that i just flat out said wrong right like just you know meant to say complicated and i say conjugated like you know it could be anything because you're just <laughs> reading right and it's like who knows what yeah. might come out and sometimes these words changed the meaning of it completely you know there was sometimes i would say can't instead of can right and then it's like well now i've changed the meaning of this entire sentence or this paragraph so there was lots of them that had to be changed um there were lots of things that we had to go back and, and agree upon. There were uh, there were parts of the review that I had to ad-lib and change because they didn't make sense otherwise. So that was a fun thing to try and work out. Um, like trying to read aloud strings of code doesn't work. So you have to try and find like a way to explain <laughs> them or like things. I have never, I'm very aware now of how putting things in brackets or parentheses can significantly change the way something sounds when you read it aloud. And yeah. trying to find ways to like twist sentences and paragraphs around where I can to make sure that it, you can still be followed and be understood, all of that stuff was, was, was a big challenge. It was an interesting challenge. It was a fun challenge, but it was a big one. Um, and my time, so it took me uh, 33 hours in total um, to record, edit, and master the five-hour audiobook. That's uh, that's a that's a bunch of time. Uh, mm -hmm. I agree with you. Narration is is much harder than it seems. Several years ago, I narrated a documentary, and it was extremely difficult, extremely time consuming, and and yeah, like I, I thought going into it, well, you know, I podcast several times a week. I can just go do this, and it is it is not that way at all. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that you got to experience that. For me, it was a real eye-opener about that other types of vocal work besides just what we do. 
Um, and I know it was made a little bit worse because uh, you had travel and then you were sick. And so I know we, the three of us were talking about that. Like, do you record now and see if you feel better in the later of the week or what if you feel worse? Like, I know there were a bunch of moving parts there to get it done at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, so I, I have, I've read the review. I have not heard the review and I, I'm super excited to, to dive into the audiobook. Um, Federico, is the audiobook for everyone? Is it Club Mac Stories members only? How is all this stuff working? So um, the um, the review as an ebook um, is available for free to club members. So um, this year, because we're doing the audiobook as a separate project, the audiobook is available at nine ninety nine. Uh, we set up a Gumroad page where you can go and buy the audiobook. But if you're a club member, um, you can take advantage of a 60% discount. And so you can uh, apply a promo code that is available to you in your profile area on uh, the, Mac, the Club Mac Stories webpage, and you can get the audiobook at $3.99. So that's $6 off. And I, I thought about this for a long time because obviously, you know, the costs and, the, you know, it wouldn't justify making this a free... Um, like another free perk for everybody. Because I ain't cheap, kids. We're doing free perks. Uh, and we are doing actually even more free stuff this year. It's going to be a making of. There's going to there's gonna be an episode of App Stories just for members. A bunch of stuff. But this one had to be a separate thing. Also because it's something that not everybody wants. Uh, but I also wanted to give a discount to, to members. And uh, hopefully that, that will work out fine. Please buy the audiobook um, because uh, Federica worked really hard on the words and I worked really hard on the audio. And I think that it is a really great way to consume it. I mean, the, the reason the book exists is because I wanted it to exist. And then I have tried to twist Federico's arm and then eventually just said, well, I'll read it if that means that you'll do it. Because I, for someone like me, it, it's... It is a much easier way to get through the book. Like I would, I would struggle, and I, I do struggle to sit and, and and read for really really long periods of time. And to be able to listen, uh, which I'm assuming everybody that is hearing me right now enjoys listening to things, uh, I think that it is a really nice way to consume it. And there's chapters. I put audio MP3 chapters in the in the book, so all the all the all the big chapters, all the big sections, you can you can skip around and listen to the parts that you want. Um, it was a big project, and I think and we all worked really hard on it, and I think that shows, and uh, I think that people should check it out. And if you're a Club Max Stories member, it's, it's really not a large amount of money at all. I mean, it's, $10 is not much, or, or $9.99. Do you say it was $9.99? Yes. Yeah, that's not a lot of money, but like $3.99 is barely anything. Um, and there's a, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the tricks, So because Federico won't. Uh, if you sign up for a month of club max stories and buy the book yep. you're still cheaper than if you just buy the book outright yeah. so yeah think about that one kids right there's there's a life that's a mike hurley brand life hack that <laughs> you get the ebook and you get the audiobook and you get the making of uh, this week uh mike and i and sam and ryan are going to talk about the behind the scenes of the review and you get an episode of App Stories Unplugged, wow. and you get all the back cool? archives. <laughs> he called it Unplugged. 
<laughs> yes, yes. It's called Absolutely Unplugged. <laughs> that's awesome. Because uh, you go for longer, right? I guess that's the unplugged nature of it. Yeah, it's not half an hour. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. That's there's a, wonderful. There's a guitar in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, you also got all the back archives of Club Max Stories going back two years. So, and you're still cheaper than if you just bought the audiobook. So, so, so do that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So that's it, the iOS 11 review. Um, it is now available in multiple formats, uh, brought to you by m- multiple people. Uh, it is a, a wonder to behold. Having read every single word, uh, Federico, this is your best review uh, because it is all of the personality of the first one combined with everything you learn doing it a second time. And then you add on to oh, it everything you, you learn doing it a third time and like, you know, your real excitement for everything comes through and you've clearly perfected your uh, methods because this one is, it's its sublime and you did a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Plus just one one last little thing. There are some Easter eggs in the audiobook version that do not exist in the, uh-huh. in the written version. <laughs> um, five points to the first person who can tell me all of them. I know what they are. I think there what are, are three. Wait, wait. What are points? I just give <laughs> what people is actually points. Their I just reward? assign mic points. <laughs> Can you redeem them later? What, yeah. what do you get with mic points? Hugs. <laughs> that doesn't. Have, uh, you know, we should actually we should actually do uh, mic points as a regular thing on Connected, and maybe eventually when we do the WWDC shows, uh, the people with the most points they actually do get something. All right. Yeah. Okay. So this is the beginning <laughs> of the mic points system. The mic points, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like the it's like the house point system for Harry Potter, but but more advanced. Yes. So the first but five just mic points go to the person that can tell me the three Easter eggs um, that uh, that I can remember. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's you know, I I I also should say there's there are many Easter eggs also in the written version yep. and in the, especially in the in the screenshots mm-hmm. and there's I'm just gonna say there's a recrawl recrawl in the review oh my god you know the recast the recast mm-hmm. there isn't one in the audio don't worry so I challenge the readers of the review to find the video and see if you can if you you need to be creative. So I want to see who the first person is. You will also get a mic point just by me. One, also allowed. Just one? We we wow. are we are allowed to assign mic points on your behalf if you agree upon the assignment of the mic points. Yes, that's true. That okay. is true. So I will give five. Federico for some reason is only giving one. Uh, it seems like Federico's <laughs> job is way harder. But all right, we should actually right. just finish up today by talking a little bit about iOS 11. Um, before we do that, let me take a moment. Uh, to thank our final sponsor for this week, and that is Bombfell, the online personal styling service dedicated to finding the right clothes for you. If you out there are a modern man, you might like to streamline the most stressful parts of your life. I'm, I know I do. Well, Bombfell can help you do this because you can update your look with brand new items to refresh your wardrobe. When you sign up to Bombfell, you'll be paired with your own stylist. They will hand-select items that they think will work for you personally, uh, they will look through menswear collections around the world to help find the clothes that you're going to look great in. You only pay for what you keep and your returns are free. It is the smartest way to shop. Bonfell is completely flexible. You can push up, delay, or skip shipments at any time. Now, Mr. Stephen Hackett, I understand that you have been sent um, some Bonfell clothes. You worked with one of their stylists. 
It's true. One of the items I wanted was a pair of shorts. Um, I, I, I would say I'm moderately fashionable. I mean, I wear a podcast t-shirt every day to work, but uh, shorts have been, good shorts have eluded me for years. And Bombfell hit it out of the park. My wife said some very nice things about me and my, and my new shorts. So mm-hmm. thumbs up. Thumbs up there. Big thumbs up. Was that all easy, like working with the stylist? Like, how did you find that experience? Yeah, super easy. You go through, you pick some stuff that you like, pick some stuff you don't like. And it was, it was, I was a little nervous about it because I don't like shopping. I don't like talking to people. Uh, I don't, you know, that interaction I'm very uncomfortable with, but Bonfell makes it really easy to do. And uh, yeah, just no sweat at all. Super great. We have an exclusive deal for connected listeners. You can get $25 off your first purchase by visiting bombfell.com slash connected. Signing up is really easy. You just tell them your measurements and the kind of clothes you like in a simple questionnaire. You'll get an email from your stylist with their hand-picked selections for you. You'll have 48 hours to make any changes to your items or even cancel them all together. And then once your clothes arrive, you have seven days before any payment is taken, so you can send back anything that you don't like. You're in total control. Bombfell also has the option for you to sign up on behalf of your partner as well, uh, which is, I guess, a real good nudge to someone uh, that you think that they need to get better clothes. It's time to upgrade your wardrobe and feel great in the clothes that you wear. Go to bombfell.com slash connected. That is B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash connected for $25 off your first purchase. Bombfell, open and clothes. I love that. Open and close is brilliant, right? That's such a good tagline. Uh, we thank Bombfell really for their support of this show. I, when they sent that to me a couple of days ago, I was like, oh, someone had a good day. Open and close. Love it. iOS 11. I mean, I think it's fair to say this came across just through the word count I, discussion. It's an iPad release. Like, it's iPad. Like, there's a lot of cool things in here. But drag and drop, files, the dock, multitasking changes, all this amazing screenshot features, like all of the really great stuff either exists only on iPad or is best on iPad, right? Is that fair to say? I think so. Um, especially, you know, uh, with the dock and the spaces and drag and drop between apps, I, I really do believe that the best features in iOS 11 are for the iPad. Yeah. I mean, it's totally changed the way that I get my work done. I mean, I haven't really, I haven't spent actually any time with iOS 11 on an iPhone. Um, mm-hmm. But over the last three months on my iPad, even without the ability to use drag and drop in third-party apps, or even without the ability to use Files app for file providers, it just the dock and all of the multitasking enhancements has just completely changed the way I get my work done. When you get to the point where all of your apps are taking advantage of drag and drop, and we're going to see those updates this week, uh, it, takes a, it takes a few weeks, I think, to really get into it. But Hopefully quicker than split for you. Hopefully quicker than that. But you get into the point where, um, now, at least now I expect to be able to use drag and drop everywhere. And when it does not work, that's a problem. And I assume that's going to be a problem, for example, with some Google apps, which we'll see if they ever get, you know, these kind of updates within the iOS 11 release yep. cycle. Let's start the timer now. Yeah. Google Docs and Google Sheets. <laughs> We're starting the timer <laughs> now. How long is it okay. going to take them to get drag and drop support? We'll see. Uh, and I think, you know, um, there's some aspects that, I, that I'm still not sure about, like spaces could, could have been done a little bit better. Um, drag and drop can sometimes be a little like 
not so easily discoverable. Um, and of course, there's still the missing the missing shelf. I really want, would have liked to see a shelf type feature for iPad drag and drop. But overall, it's such an amazing release, and it, how it changes. You know, multitasking with the dock, like how you drag and you create a split view, you create slider over and you move, you flick apps, you know, back and forth. It it going back to iOS 10 now feels super weird to me. I had to go back to take some screenshots, and I was like, how do I even open apps now? I have to go back to the home screen every single time, and so that that change alone, you don't have to go back to the home screen for most of your interactions. That is such a major difference from iOS 10. There's also stuff on the iPhone. Um, Siri Kit will be nice. I'm seeing a bunch of apps you know, receive integration with Siri, especially if you have a note-taking app or a to-do list app. That's going to be nice. The design changes, I'm still, I still don't understand what Apple is doing. Uh, they're not committed to a, to a unified design yet. So we have the iOS 10 design, we have the iOS 11 design with the big, bold headlines and the large titles, and then... then we have thicker icons, we have thinner icons. It still seems like there's two design schools within Apple and one will have to event- eventually win over the other, we'll see. But on the the iPhone is a nice release. I mean, ARKit will be awesome with third-party apps, but if you just take the OS itself, you, know, you, you install iOS 11 on an iPhone and on an iPad, we can all agree that on the iPad, it's where you can see the biggest changes. So, Stephen, I know you've been using it on your iPhone as well. Have you got any impression of the things that you like about iOS 11 on your phone? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you guys. It's an iPad-focused release. Some of the drag-and-drop stuff is nice within apps. It just kind of makes reordering things within apps more uniform across the system, even though there's a little bit of a delay when you're going to pick the cell up and stuff. I think that being more similar across all my apps eventually will be, will be nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a huge game changer on the phone. I mean, there, there's niceties for sure. I like, uh, for instance, having notes in control center, like that it makes creating a new note very fast. The, con- I was very unsure of the control center design, but I've really come, uh, around to it once you kind of understand its, its system. But, but yeah, it's it's a fine iPhone release, but it's not it's not groundbreaking uh, by any means. But yeah, I guess a lot of that stuff's still to come with third party apps, and and I'm yeah. really keen to see how you know over the next couple of weeks if our if and how our opinions change uh, with with AR. And like I've tried a couple of AR apps, and and on the whole, I find um, using AR apps on the iPad because I've not tried any on my iPhone to be. Uh, a clunky experience because the screens are too big. Um, I, I really think that mostly AR is probably going to shine on the iPhone. Uh, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm very keen to see how that goes as the next couple of weeks progress and more and more fun experiences for AR kit come out. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely seems like the release is setting the stage and we're going to see what all, what developers have planned. I think it will get better over time. But it's not perfect. I mean, I have a couple of things um that I know that that that, that bug other people bug me because one of the big ones iPad multitasking um is divisive. Um mm-hmm. And I understand why because 
it's very different. It, it is a burn it to the ground and start over way of thinking um, of how multitasking works on on the iPad. Um, I find it better in almost every single way, personally. But I can see how and why um, some people are not enjoying it. Uh, but I think that it is a system that people should open up and try and get used to and you know try and rethink your workflows as frustrating as that can be because if you really are able to embrace it i think that it is a vastly superior system a, super, a system that i wish we could have had last year uh so the ios 9 way of working would have only had half the time to embed its way into people's uh lives but you know you get you get what you get and uh just a couple of things. One, one I think is a is is a bug that I think I might be seeing because I'm not on eleven everywhere yet. But uh, I'm having some significant issues with notes and URLs where they kind of move around the document when I scroll. And uh, I have that running okay. betas on all of my systems. That, yeah, that seems to be buggy for me. And I'm I'm really hoping that this is a thing that won't exist once everything's fully updated, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, I think there is there is something weird. It seems to be saving like a link in two different places, but one of them's invisible. And yeah, it's weird. Uh, I have also had some data loss uh, with notes a little bit, but again, I'm they're beta, so I'm willing to accept that, and, and I'm I'm going to see how that shakes out after I upgrade everything to every to to, to be solid. Um, and also, whilst drag and drop is great, it has made some interactions suck. Um, like if you if all you really want to do is copy a URL, it takes a really long time to wait for iOS to perform whatever it is, like to ensure that you're not dragging or dropping. Uh, mm-hmm. And that I find that to be frustrating because sometimes you can drag but you can't drop, right? Where mm-hmm. you want to take something, you can't actually drop it there. And I find myself just pressing and holding for what is probably five to six seconds to wait for a pop-up to appear for me to copy a URL. I find that frustrating. I I wish that there was maybe a way around this. I wish that Apple would maybe create some kind of area on the OS, which I think is something you mentioned in some places, Federico, um, where I would be able to just drop it and it just be copied to the clipboard. Um, yeah, I mean, like a like a visual clipboard system, yeah. and a and a visual clipboard is basically a shelf, like a, an area where you uh, you, you don't <laughs> have, you, bring up the shelf. Any opportunity to, to bring the shelf up, you'll bring it up. <laughs> this is what you're talking about. This is a, what you, exactly what you're talking about. You you want no, something because you want the to shelf copy requires it. a drop point, right? But my 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 point is not everywhere. It doesn't have to be fixed on screen. It doesn't have to be like. Don't think about my design. Think about the idea of somewhere where you know it's there and it's easy to do and you don't have to perform these long gestures. You just pick up something and throw it out there. And then it's either copied or directly and it's also saved for later. It's just there There has to be a system where yeah. like, don't think about the design details of it, but there needs to be a system that allows you to copy stuff quickly and easily. And right now... Unless you do the long gesture, or unless you know exactly where you want to drop something, that's not possible. So there has to be a solution. And call it a shelf, call it the new clipboard, call it something else. But the basic idea, I think you're exactly right. That That's one of the examples of why we need such a system. 
should we talk about some of the apps that are coming out? Some yeah. of the stuff, or some of the stuff that we've tried in beta periods and stuff like that. I mean, I think the biggest one for me, the one that I'm maybe the most excited about uh, from from a working perspective is the Dropbox update with uh, file mm-hmm. support. I am both surprised and thrilled about the fact that this is available day one. The ability to be able to have all of my files in Dropbox in the Files app. I'm so excited about this and and I know it's going to just make some just some huge changes to the way that I get my work done to be able to to access everything so simply from everywhere and it will be natively built into the system with the ability to set like favorites of folders and have them all in one view like I've barely played around with uh, files, but it's been so great for me to be able to have a better view into iCloud Drive to save documents temporarily in a place. Like if I'm just sending a contract to someone that doesn't need to be filed yet, but it just needs to be sent for their signature, being able to save that stuff to iCloud Drive is just like a temporary storage place has been fantastic. The ability to be able to save and access from Dropbox, it's going to change the way that I get my work done. And... I'm just over the moon that they have gone to the lengths that they have gone to support at day one with the power and, and flexibility that they have done. Uh, I'm really, really, really excited. Uh, and I'm going to thank Eddie Q for making that deal happen. That's not that. that, that <laughs> yep. Not. I'm going to thank Eddie. Thanks, Eddie. I know it was Eddie. Yeah. I know it. Hmm. We're going to have to see how that works. Um. I'm a bit skeptical on the file provider extensions. Um, oh, why are you telling me this now? Um, uh, it's actually in the review, um, in the conclusion of that part. I read that one a long time ago, man. I remember. We'll have to see how this cloud service stuff works because the file provider extension type was designed for cloud services. So stuff that uploads, stuff that downloads. But during the summer, I wasn't able to test any of this. So a lot of developers have sort of hacked their way around file providers by making local file providers. So like local storage locations on iOS. I haven't been able to test Dropbox or Google Drive or Adobe Creative Cloud or you know something else. So I don't know how well it works. I do know that developers don't have a lot of freedom when it comes to customizing the UI, for example. They only have limited um, custom actions that they can put into the files interface. They cannot um, present, uh, like, the, the, the basic UI, the file manager UI is the same of iCloud Drive. So don't expect Dropbox to be able to add badges to folders or stuff like that. I, I don't know how much they can, and if they're willing to, customize every single aspect of the limited integrations that they have. And also, is this upload and download stuff going to be reliable? If you save something uh, from Safari with the files extension into Dropbox as a location in files, does the change propagate when you save from the extension? Or do you have to open files first and then the change uploads to your account? Uh, how does it deal with reconciling changes and conflicted copies? Um, how, how many? I, I assume we're going to see a lot of these companies explain, if you want to use these more in-depth features, you need to open the main Dropbox or Google Drive app. 
If you want to just see your files and just share them, you can go into Files, the app by Apple. Yeah, maybe if if that's the case, Dropbox isn't saying it, right? Like currently, they're not saying it. There's no addendums in their post. It's just like access everything throughout iOS. Yeah, and my, teaser, I'm having so. faith on it because, so as I stand here right now, my in the idea that because these companies, especially like including Dropbox, were announced as of WWDC time, I like to believe that Apple worked with them to try and make sure that this stuff could be best implemented to support and serve everybody's needs. That is my hope in this. I hope so too, yeah. But it's also the first version of it, and if this one kind of sucks, I'm going to assume it will get better later. And even if I just have very basic support, it's better than the support I currently have. You know, like I've lived for a long time yeah. with, with just accessing, with being able to access my, and getting used to accessing my Dropbox files through the Dropbox app. If that works as it always did, fine. And if I also get better access to things throughout the system, uh, even better. Yeah, that's, that is true. Uh, I've tried a couple of AR apps so far, and on the whole, <laughs> uh, none of them should necessarily be AR applications. The one I've had the most experience with is PeakAlk because James Thompson is a, G- a, like a mad, mad, scientist. mad scientist. Yeah, he's a yeah. mad scientist, um, and he's created my favorite AR experience inside of my calculator app. It's just mm-hmm. a weird toy box. I spent a long time trying to get the car to go through the hoop. That's all you need to know, right? Like, it's a calculator I've done it. Yeah, I can't do it, but so I just throw uh, bananas that are on fire at it instead, and it makes me Well, something that might help you is you can can attach a uh, Bluetooth uh, gaming pad to it. That might help. I bought one of those. You can drive the car in the about screen via uh, uh, the the Bluetooth gaming pads for the Apple TV or whatever. I love James Thompson. He is wonderful, and he's built just a fantastic thing, and... The, the about screen of PCALC is the most advanced about screen probably ever created, and it's just full of a bunch of stuff that shouldn't be in a calculator app, but it's awesome mm-hmm. that it is. Um, <laughs> Carrot Weather is, has a really fun AR mode, which is just a fun little demo too, really, uh, where it can show you a bunch of uh, weather features in a fun little futuristic space-age UI anywhere within anywhere you point your phone. It's really nice. I like it. it, it, it it's a very nice little animation. Um, and it and it brings into it a lot of the fun uh, that is in Carrot Weather in a in a new and interesting way. So that's another one that I've tried. Uh, and I've also tried a uh, an app called Measure Kit, which I know Federico that you've had yes. quite a bit of experience with. Yeah, uh, it's a it's an AR app that allows you to measure stuff with a bunch of different tools. So you have like a ruler, you uh, have another tool to measure angles. You can measure a person's height. Um, and all of this is done using AR kit. It recognizes um, flat surfaces like the ground floor or tables and desks. doesn't work. Uh, it has limited support for uh, vertical uh, surfaces like walls because AR kit by default doesn't support walls, only horizontal planes. Uh, and it's really impressive the way that it allows you, it allows you to measure things. So some uh, tools are more accurate than others. Uh, the the ruler one in my experience is really really accurate down to this to the half half centimeter in in my experience. Uh, the the person's height tends to be off uh, by a couple of 
I would say by two to five centimeters in my tests, which doesn't make it, you know, uh, if, you, if your doctor asks for your height, you shouldn't give them the height measure by an AR kit application. I'm only ever going to in the future, though. I just want everyone, like, if my doctor's listening, <laughs> this is the only way I'm ever measuring myself now with my iPhone. Yeah, That's you good. really you really shouldn't do that. No. Nope. But it makes for... <laughs> okay. uh, it, Mix mix for a fun demo. Uh-huh. You know, every one, every couple of days, I would ask I would ask uh, Sylvia to come into the into the room where I was working and be like, "Hey, stand still. Uh, I need, <laughs> need to need to measure your height." Perfect. So she. So the the problem is she, she's already tiny and um, measure kit would uh, decrease her height by five oh. centimeters. So she, she got really she got really upset because she's like, "I'm already I'm already you know I'm already tiny. I'm already." You know, I'm not as tall as you, and this is not fair because your app is telling you even, you know, even a smaller amount of centimeters. Uh, so that that was both funny and sad. Um, but it's a, it's really impressive. I think for like for measuring furniture and stuff, uh, it it really does come in handy. Uh, I'm gonna use this and the IKEA app. I haven't been able to try, but I assume between Measure Kit and IKEA, uh, shopping for furniture and new house. Items should be a lot easier in the future. Todoist has been updated with SiriKit and drag and drop. Um, what does that mean for Todoist users? Uh, SiriKit, you can now uh, ask uh, Siri to create new tasks and to give you an overview by using either like with Todoist or in Todoist at the end of a command. That is. Unfortunately, one of the downsides of Apple system that doesn't let you uh, assign different defaults, you cannot say, like, instead of using Apple Reminders, I want to use Todoist for my reminders. No, you cannot do that. So you have to specify the name of the app at the end or the beginning uh, of your request. Uh, with drag and drop, you uh, th- in my experience, that works quite well. Uh, the Todoist folks have done a good job of working around the quirks of Siri. Um, so it depends on your language, I guess. It depends on how you structure a sentence sometimes. Overall, it's not terrible. It works quite well. And drag and drop, now you can drop text, you can drop files, you can drop links from Safari. And either you create a new task in the inbox or in a project, or you drop these items into an existing task, into the, the detail view, the comment view. You attach a file, you attach a comment, stuff like that. It's, it works quite well. It's not as rich. I would say Todoist, um, both with SiriKit and drag and drop, it's not as rich as OmniFocus, uh, which is a richer implementation of SiriKit commands. Hmm. For example, you can complete tasks with, uh, with Siri and OmniFocus. You can search for tasks, I think. Um, and also drag and drop is, is a bit richer in, uh, in OmniFocus. You can do more things. You can drop more types of items in different views. It's done a bit better. Airmail is one that I wanted to mention. Um, Airmail has uh, support for drag and drop. Um, it's with my email client, so you can you can drag uh, messages out. Um, so far, of the applications that I've been able to drop messages into, like so, if I this is something that's just amazing. Uh, if I drag an email message out of uh, Airmail and drop it into Notes, it creates a PDF and drops it into the document, which is incredible because that that has done something that i'm i'm expecting a lot of this stuff will do over time that's reduced a workflow that i need i very frequently like take travel like travel documents and i drag and i will trigger off a workflow but now i don't need to do that so if i book like a, a 
uh, two flights and um, a hotel, I will have to sit and do my workflow in every single one of those. But now I can just pick up three emails, drag them into the, my new travel note, and uh, drop them all in, and it will create PDFs of them all. It's really awesome. By default, it creates a PDF? That's what it does in Notes. Mm. I don't know what happens if you drag it into like a to to my to do app because I've not been able to try that yet. Uh, I can tell you in a moment while you tell me about the next app. I can try that. Yeah, that, that is debatable, and we'll revise that uh, as as we do iOS eleven follow up because I, I want to get into more detail about the, this drag and drop stuff works. You can read in the review and you can listen to Mike's uh, section of the review. Uh, there's some things we'll have to see how developers implement them. Um, I want to mention. Um, working copy, which is the GitHub client that we use at MacStories to organize our text files and collaborate on drafts. And they, uh, the developer Anders Borum, uh, he shipped this iOS 11 integration with uh, drag and drop on the iPad. You can now, for example, you can like drop files into a, into a repository in GitHub, and you can uh, like you can take a folder. From working copy, and you can drop it into Textastic, which is a text editor for iOS, also updated for iOS 11. And when you drop the the folder, it will uh, basically create like a bookmark to the folder. And so you, you, every change you make in working copy, after you drop a folder in Textastic, those changes will be reflected in there. So that's really nice. And I also want to mention uh, DevonThink, which is one of the apps that I've used over the summer to organize my research material. They now have this integration with SiriKit that allows you to create a new note in DevonThink. You can say, hey, create a note. I won't say the command because, you know, maybe it's a problem for people. Uh, create a note in DevonThink saying, you know, I need to listen to Mike's podcasts. Um, and then you can you can add a note with the title. You can add a text to a note. You can, I'm sure, um, I'm not sure whether DevonThink supports this yet, but SiriKit in iOS 11 also lets you append text to the bottom of a note. Uh, but I, I'm not sure DevonThink supports it. And also you can now drag and drop stuff so you can rearrange files in DevonThink or you can drop in from Safari or Mail or, you know, photos. And it's a, it's a great way to organize a DevonThink database using drag and drop on the iPad. So dragging uh, a message from Airmail into Todoist creates a message link. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, it's the way that... Um, Mike, but, you, you read this. Uh, it's yeah. a way that... They deal with the different flavors mm-hmm. of items dragged. Uh, we'll, uh, I want For to talk me about personally. This a... That is the two uh-huh. things I would want to happen. If I'm dragging a message into Notes, I want it to create a PDF. If I'm dragging uh, a message debat- into Todoist, that's Todoist, debatable. No, I'm not no. saying no. It's not debatable because it's the way yes, I it want it to work. It might <laughs> oh, not be yes. the way you want it to work, but I specifically said it's the way I want it to work. That's what I, I want. Just wa- I just want to open a discussion of how do the uh, how like. The airmail folks decided when the user drags a message and drops it into notes, it should be a PDF. But should it be a PDF? What if I want it to be a link like it is in Todoist? Did they make that decision, though? Isn't it like... Yes. Wouldn't notes be asking for the PDF over the URL? Well, it's two. It's the two of them. Uh, the airmail developers put the PDF format first in the list of provided types. And Notes uh, goes to look for all the formats, and if the PDF is first and Notes assumes, well, I got to take this PDF, it takes the PDF. So it's a, it's a two-way street. And as I wonder in the review, I, I, I want to see how developers come up with a, with a mutually agreed-upon standard of like, if I want to have the subject of the email 
as a hyperlink. I, I, I know that, that that is possible. So there, should there be a preference in, in the app that I'm using to say, hey, do you want to save email messages as, la, as links or PDFs? And how complex does that get when you have to specify a format for every single type? So I just wonder how this can be done effectively. And, you know, um, I just wonder if it maybe creates some confusion. I don't know. It's too early. We need to see how this scales with like a dozen mm-hmm. of apps instead this of This is the right way to do it for now, to not have for now, yes. issues. Um, but we, yeah, you're right. We just need to see how it scales. So we're just we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg. Over the next few weeks, you're going to hear us talk tons more about more and more iOS apps as they come out. Uh, but I think that for today, we should wrap it up. Uh, Federico, where can people go to get the Mac Stories review? Uh, they can go to macstories.net. Uh, it will be it's right there. Pinned. It's right there on the homepage. It's featured at the top. It's going to be uh, pinned to the front page for a few days. Of course, in our show notes as well, uh, relay.fm slash connected slash 160. They can also go to my Twitter profile and they, they will see the tweet pinned at the top of my profile if they open it on the web or on the official Twitter app. So it's going to be to the top of all of our most important pages for a few days. All right. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, the fine folk over at Squarespace, FreshBooks, and Bonfell. If you want to find Steven's work online, he's at photopixels.net and he is at ISMH. Federico is on Twitter. He's at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much for listening to this week's special episode of Connected. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.